All right. If you were given a quiz right now, if you were given a pop quiz, and somebody were to say to you, what have the last three messages been about, what would you say? Thanksgiving. Very good. What we have to be thankful for. Now, here's the big question. Do you remember what we have to be thankful for? Our salvation, our church family, and God's provision, God's faithfulness, God's presence, what we dealt with this morning, okay? So tonight is item number four. Item number four, that which we can be thankful for in our daily lives and especially in this Thanksgiving season. Now, before we get to the passage, before we get to the fourth item that we will be talking about this evening, I want to ask you a question. Don't be ashamed or don't be afraid to answer the question uh, by way of some kind of a nod. You don't have to get real vocal or excited about it, and I trust that you wouldn't get crazy, but uh, just don't be afraid to let me know uh, whether or not this has been true of you. But how many of us tonight would ever have to admit to being discouraged at some point in your life. Okay, all right. Most of us would admit to that, would we not? We've been discouraged, maybe as it relates to work. We've been discouraged, possibly, as it relates to family situations. Maybe we've looked at our finances and we were less than encouraged. It may have been a health issue. It could be any number of things that we begin to look at these things and we begin to give consideration to these things And because of the circumstances, because of the situation, because of what is going on, we have dealt with discouragement. Now, doesn't mean that it's right just because all of us have dealt with it. But we've all dealt with it. Okay? Now, I try to get you to admit that you have struggled with discouragement at times so that in a few moments when I admit a season of discouragement, you won't look at me with a sense of disgust or a sense of disdain questioning how a pastor could ever be discouraged. Okay? Okay. I want you to know I'm like you all, even in my failures and even in my frailties. Okay? I'm not any different than you all. I'm not any better than you all. I have the same struggles that you have even in the realm of being discouraged from time to time. So with that as kind of the backdrop, maybe not the most exciting of backdrops or maybe not the most encouraging of backdrops, I want us to, to, to listen to a story real quick, and, and I trust that you'll understand the benefit of this in the next couple of moments. But I, I, I think most of you know that over the course of our lives, we receive many different types of correspondence or or many different types of of back and forth, especially in today's culture with texting and emails, instant messaging and things of that nature, right? If, If you're a texter, and maybe you're not, but if you are a texter, probably over the last few years, you have sent and received hundreds, if not thousands, of emails, or, or text messages. And, and then if you're an emailer, you have probably sent and received thousands of emails and instant messages. And then there was an old system that some of us are still aware of. And you remember that? It was the, called the U.S. Postal System. Something that most people don't take advantage of anymore, and that's fine. But uh, that was a way in which people corresponded with each other, and they would share thoughts, and they would, you know, just communicate with one another. And, and, and many years ago, I don't remember when this would have happened, but many years ago, I heard my father-in-law talking about how in his office he had a place 
where he uh, kept certain cards and certain letters that were given to him throughout the years of his ministry. Okay, so as I heard my father-in-law talk about that, knowing that I was going into the ministry, I assumed that I would be the recipient of many cards and many letters. Uh, you know, you just I, <laughs> stupidity and naivety and, and just pure ignorance. I just assumed that on a regular basis I'd get cards and letters, people expressing their appreciation for me. So I, you know, went into my internship there at Tulsa, and, and once in a while I, I would get a card or I'd get a letter, and because it was kind in nature and sometimes because I was desperate, I, I would just take it and I would save it and I'd put it in my file and, and I would hold on to those things. And so in my filing cabinet at the house, I've still got a little folder and uh, I've got some notes in there and some things of that nature, and uh, I've held on to them for all these years. Now, for the last 15 years with text messaging and emails and, and things like that, here's what you would understand. Most of those items have been deleted because there's no possible way you could keep every message and text and email that you receive. So based upon the content and based upon the sender of that information, most of those forms of communication have been deleted or they have been destroyed or whatever it may be, but some of them have been kept. Some of them have been kept for many, many years. Now, I don't know if this would make sense to you. I assume that it would, but I, I want to share with you why I've kept some of the ones I've kept. It's very simple. The author and the content. When someone has given me something, they've taken the time to, to write a note or to send a card or to type out that text or type out that email, based upon the person and based upon the content of the communication, it has motivated me at times to keep something where if maybe it came from another person or the content was kind of insignificant or, you know, just unimportant, I would go ahead and delete it and go ahead and get rid of it. Okay, so you understand content plus the author has motivated me to keep something. All right. A couple of weeks ago, I was frustrated. A couple of weeks ago, I was discouraged. A couple of weeks ago, I was not enjoying the joys of ministry, just to be blunt, okay? I, I, was, I was having a hard time on that particular day, and, and I was wrestling with my thoughts, and I was wrestling with my emotions, and, and I was going through my day saying, Kyle, snap out of it. Kyle, come on, get it together. Kyle, you, you know better than this. And, and I was trying to get myself worked out of the funk that I was in. But it seemed like no matter what I thought, no matter what I tried to dwell upon, I was just, I was mad. And so I was outside doing some work around the church, and I was mad, and I was doing stuff inside the church, and then I was just fighting with my emotions. And in my prayer time that morning, I said, Lord, I need something, some kind of encouragement, some kind of confirmation. God, I need something. To just kind of reaffirm in my mind that I'm not an idiot and that I'm not wasting my time, that I'm not spinning my wheels. God, I need something. 
And that afternoon, as I was wrestling with my thoughts and my feelings and, and just my whole attitude and my whole outlook on things, I got a piece of mail, that old school way of communication. And I looked to see who it was from, and I realized, okay, well, it's someone that I, you know, I appreciate. And so I opened up the letter, and I pulled out a card, and I began to read the content of the card. And it was exactly what I had prayed for that morning by way of some encouragement and by way of some affirmation and God assuring me, you're not wasting your time, you're serving a purpose. Now, when that happened, based upon the author and based upon the content, you know what my immediate, natural reaction was? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. The author with the content was exactly what my heart needed. And based upon the content and the one who sent it, it was a natural reaction for me to say, Lord, thank you. Now think about this for just a moment. What did I ask you to hold in your hand? I said, hold your Bible in your hands, right? What, what do we often refer to the Bible as? The Word of God, or we would say, turn in your Scripture to, would we not? All right. Turn in your Bible, turn to the Scripture, turn to this passage, and that's what we began to do. We began to direct ourselves to a particular portion of Scripture, to a, to a particular passage. But again, here's what I want us to think about. Commonly, we refer to the Bible as the Scripture. Now, tonight we're going to be in a very familiar portion of Scripture, okay? Very familiar portion of Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Most of us know who the author is of this particular letter, do we not? It's the Apostle Paul, and as he is writing to Timothy, we know who Timothy is. He is a young pastor, and he has been the student, or he has been the pupil of, of the Apostle Paul. And Paul, in writing this letter to Timothy, says in verse number 16, All Scripture. Now think about this for just a moment. Look up here for just a moment, not because you want to look at me, but what I'm trying to illustrate. All Scripture. Everything that you and I hold in our hands that we refer to as the Bible, that we refer to as the Scripture, what does the Apostle Paul tell Timothy? He said, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Is that what he said? Okay, so the Bible that you and I hold in our hands from Genesis to Revelation all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, here's what we know from other portions of Scripture, that God is the one who moved on the hearts of men to pen the words. But regardless of who the human author was, 
Paul reminds us that the overall author and the overall giver of every scripture that we have, it was given to us by God. So therefore, who is the author of the Bible that we hold in our hands? It is God. Now think about that for just a moment. God is the one who penned the words through the hands of a man thousands of years ago. God is the one responsible for every bit of this. So think about this for just a moment. If tomorrow you went to your mailbox and you pulled out an envelope and you looked to see who the sender of that letter was, if it said God, it would get your attention, would it not? So we have... The scripture in our hand, it was given to us by God. I don't want to oversimplify this, and I don't want to sound too cliche-ish in the message tonight, but the scripture, the word of God that you and I hold in our hands, maybe we've downloaded onto our phone or to a tablet, or we would look up on the internet this evening, but the word of God that we have is a letter given to us and preserved for us, sent to us by God Almighty. The God of this universe. Think about this for just a moment. The God of this universe who spoke this world into existence, who sustains everything with His power, who has the whole world in His hands, who who knows everything about us, God took the time to have His words penned and recorded and preserved for us. Friends, think about the Bible and its author, and right there it ought to get our attention, should it not? It ought to get our attention that we have God's Word in our hand. Think about for a moment how special that is when you think about the millions, if not billions, of people who have never laid eyes on a copy of the Word of God. They have never seen it, much less uh, touched it, much less dealt with it, much less flipped through the pages, much less read it in their own language to get an understanding of who Jehovah God is. For you and I to have a copy of the Scripture given to us and preserved for us by God, immediately we ought to set up and go, ho, 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 this is, this is important. This is something we need to give attention to simply because of who the author is. But it's not just about the author. It's about the content as well. Think about it. The Apostle Paul said in verse number 16, all scripture is given by God. And he didn't just stop there, though that should be enough to amaze us. He said, all of it that has been given by God is profitable. Everything that God has written and preserved and allowed for you and I to come across by way of the scripture, do we realize tonight that every bit of this serves a purpose? You and I don't understand the purpose for every page in our Bible, do we not? I'm going to speak for myself. I don't understand every page of the Scripture. I don't understand why all of it had to be preserved. But I know this, that all the Scripture God has given us, it is profitable. And he says it is profitable profitable because of the content that it gives us or because of the doctrine it provides for us. We know what doctrine is if we've been in church very long at all. We know that it's just simple, basic teaching. 
Can you imagine how lost we would be in the spiritual realm of things if we did not have a scripture to give us doctrine, to just teach us simple, basic truths? We would have no understanding who God is. We would have no understanding of what His design is. We would have no understanding of what His plan is for mankind. We would have no idea what what was going on. We would have no idea what was right, what was wrong, what was supposed to be, what was not supposed to be. If, If it were not for the doctrine contained in the Scripture, can you imagine how messed up we would be? Look at society and see how messed up society has become because we are a society that is more and more void of the influences of Scripture in our lives. Look at how messed up society has become. And if not for the doctrine contained in the Word of God, we would be that messed up. And we would be that lost. And we would have that that skewed mentality of what normal is and what healthy is and, and what appropriate is. The doctrine contained in the Word of God, friends, that is content that ought to make us sit up and give attention. What is it that God wants to say to me through the simple teachings of doctrine? Can you kind of see where this is headed? That's probably something to be thankful for. God, first of all, thank you. Thank you that you would take the time to pen the words and preserve them for me and to give me a copy in my own language. Thank you, God, that it is so readily available to us that I've got multiple copies in my office. We have multiple copies in our homes. We can download it on any device we've got. Thank you, God, that you would take the time to give it to me. And thank you, Lord, that within your Scripture you have taught me simple, basic truths to keep me from being crazy like the world around us. I don't know if I should say this thought out loud, but I'm going to. We can edit it out before it goes to radio, if it ever goes to radio. But do you realize that without the Word of God and its doctrine we'd probably all be Democrats. It's not terrible, it's the truth. Because that is what we're looking at as a world void of Bible doctrine. Things that should not make sense do make sense. Things that do make sense should make sense, don't seem to make sense, and we live in a crazy, crazy world. So that right there is enough to say thank you, Lord. I'm I'm glad I'm not. If nothing else, you can wake up and say, God, thank you, I'm a Republican. But anyway, we'll move on. And if by chance tonight you're a Democrat, you've got time to get your heart right with the Lord, and and it's a good thing. Immediately before his return. Now notice what else he said by way of content. Not only is it profitable for doctrine, he said it is profitable for reproof. We know what reproof is, do we not? It's when we are rebuked. 
I may be reproved in a little bit based upon my previous comments, but I'm okay with that. But whenever we experience reproof, it is when we are rebuked, it is when we are convicted by the truth of God's word. As a child, we understand this. We, we know this. We, we look back on our childhood and, and we understand that it was for our own good and for our benefit. And as a parent and maybe as a grandparent, we still see the benefit and the value of it. But imagine life for just a moment without strong correction without some strong reproof, without some strong rebuke. Again, lives may look fun and enjoyable for a little bit. Things may seem to go fine for a little while. But when there is no control and when there is no rebuke and when there is no reigning in and when there's no discipline, so to speak, it really does make for an awful existence in the long term. Now, as you go through your spiritual life, and again, you know this, you're aware of this, but imagine for just a moment if the Holy Spirit never yanked our chain and got our attention. Imagine what our lives would look like if we could read through the Scripture and never get convicted of our sin. Imagine what our lives would look like if we could come to church and never be convicted by the preaching of the Word of God. Suppose for just a moment that we could go through our lives and the Holy Spirit could not ever remind us of the truth of God's Word that would bring correction upon our life and would bring conviction upon our lives. Can you imagine the kind of ungodliness that would run rampant in our own personal lives if God never took the time to correct us from his scripture? To be able to sit tonight and to say, I have a word from the Lord that, 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 that reveals to us his love for us so much so that he would correct us and that he would reprove us and that he would rebuke us. That is something to be thankful for because otherwise we would be messing our lives up and destroying our lives up at a rapid, rapid pace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you loved me enough to correct me, that you loved me enough to take me to the woodshed, that you loved me enough to make me feel guilt over my sin. God, thank you that you did that for me through your word. God, the author, with the content that the scripture is profitable for doctrine, it is profitable for reproof, and notice what he said next, it is profitable for correction. It is profitable for correction. We know what it means to be corrected in our own personal lives. We know that there are times that we do things in ignorance, not because we're trying to be rebellious, not because we want to push the limits, not because we're just trying to see how badly we can do things. Sometimes we simply do things in ignorance, much like our children. Sometimes they're, they're doing something, they're doing something wrong, but they're not doing it with the wrong heart. They're not doing it with the wrong spirit. We step up and we say, listen, let me help you here. Let me instruct you. Let me correct you on this. I, I want to show you a better way. Think about that for just a moment. The scripture is not not only there to convict us and to discipline us when we need the discipline and we need the rebuke, but it's there to just say sometimes, hey, listen, you're going astray over here, maybe unintentionally. Because sometimes, and you know this, and, and I, I keep saying that, I know, I apologize, but, but sometimes it's not intentional that we begin to get away from our walk with the Lord, and it's not intentional that we're doing something wrong, 
But we're humans and we tend to wander sometimes, do we not? And so the Word of God says, hey, come on, come back over here. You're, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it the way that it needs to be done. Let me correct you. Let me show you a better way. I hate to keep saying this, but my goodness, imagine where life would be without the correction of the Word of God, that gentle correction that says, no, 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 we're going to come do it this way. No, we need to do it this way. And, and the number of mistakes that God has 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 prevented us from because he corrected us before we got there. And then he says in the last part of 16, not only is it good for correction, but it's good for instruction in righteousness. The Word of God just helps us know what is right so that we don't even begin to do what is wrong if we begin to seek God's will through the Scripture that he has penned for us and preserved for us. Isn't that exciting? I mean, a little bit? I mean, think about this. You and I can say, you know, I don't really know what to do. Well, we don't have to just ignorantly launch out and hope for the best. Well, I really don't know how to handle my kids, so we're just going to, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to take off charging and hope for the best. No, we don't have to do that. We can go to the Word of God and say, God, I need some instruction in what is right. Well, well, I don't know what to do with my finances. We're just going to start spending and hope we spend our way out of debt. Well, see, that's where the crazy thinking comes from. No, no, that's not what the the Word of God would teach. The Word of God would say, here's what you do. I want to instruct you and in righteousness. The Word of God gives us all the instruction we need to do what is right. Because God loved us enough to pen these words so that we can go to the Word of God and get the consultation and the counseling and the advice that we need. That is a good thing. You and I, we hold in our hands the Scripture that Paul said was penned by God. And the content is good for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction. I don't know about you, but Paul didn't list everything right there from my perspective what the Word of God is also good for. Well, who are you to correct Paul? I'm not correcting Paul. I think Paul would say amen to what I'm about to say, okay? Based upon other principles taught in the Scripture. The Word of God encourages. If you don't know that, you need to revisit the Word of God. The Word of God encourages. I don't know about you, but the Word of God excites. I don't think the Apostle Paul would say, man, we got a boring book in our hands. If you can't sleep at night, get the Word of God out. It'll put you to sleep in no time. That's not what the Apostle Paul would declare, okay? I don't think the Apostle Paul was necessarily trying to list everything to Timothy, what the Word of God was profitable for. He just hit on a few things, and he said in verse number 17, obviously that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works, okay? God's trying to do a work in our lives through the Word of God in us. But the Word of God, it encourages, it excites, and it inspires us sometimes It could anyways if we wanted to look at the Scripture and see what God has done in the lives of other people to maybe think for just a moment, maybe, just maybe, God might do something like that for me. God might do something like that in my family. God may do something like that in our church. The the Word of God was penned by God and the content is absolutely 
amazing. It's overwhelming. You may have a better grasp of things than I have. But as I studied this week and gave attention to this thought, my mind came to this conclusion. We have no idea how amazing it is that you and I hold the Word of God in our hands. God communicated with me in this Bible that I've been exposed to since the day I was born. God used this author and this author and this author and this author and over thousands of years God brought this book and this book and this book and this book and somehow it got compiled and, and into the Holy Scripture that we hold in our hands. I don't know if, I, I don't, maybe you're better at this than I am, but for me to try to wrap my mind about what all went into you and I having a copy of the Scripture, I don't get it. But it does show me this, God must have loved me a lot. And God must have loved you a lot. To give us the Word of God that we can consult, that we can go to at any time. It's good for doctrine, reproof, correction, righteousness, just to name a few. But it's something to be thankful for, is it not? It's something kind of like an encouraging letter that uh, you need to revisit from time to time. See, those, those few... In, you know, cards and letters and text messages that, that I've received over the years, you know what I like to do? I like to go back and reread them. Because to be honest with you, encouragement never gets old. Amen. I've never said to Susie, this encouragement's getting way too much. It's just overwhelming me and, and just I, I, need, I need people to quit. It doesn't get old. So you know what I enjoy? I enjoy revisiting that which is a blessing to me. Whenever the card came a couple of weeks ago and instinctively I said, thank you, Lord, for giving me exactly what I need, do we realize that tonight our attitude should instinctively be toward the Word of God? Thank you, Lord, because it is exactly what I need every time I have a need. The Word of God is everything that we will ever need in any stage, in any moment of our lives. And that's because God gave it to us. Think about it for just a moment. We're almost done. We have the Word of God, and it's something we should be thankful for. Now, let me just throw this out here, just food for thought, some, some, some closing remarks for us to consider. Let's not pretend we're thankful for the Word of God if we don't spend time in the Word of God. Let's just be honest about it, okay? Let's not act like we're thankful for the Word of God if we're not in the Word of God, being fed by the Word of God, being challenged by the Word of God, grateful for everything the Word of God provides us on a daily basis. Let's not act like we're thankful for the Word of God if by chance we come to church and we don't pay attention to the preaching of the Word of God. Let's be honest about this. Just because we have it to be thankful for does not mean we are thankful for it like we ought to be. 
I'm not trying to be weird tonight. I'm not trying to, to do anything that would, would seem odd. But, but maybe, just maybe this evening, when we're dismissed in a few moments, maybe tonight, maybe in the morning, it might do us good to just stop and stare at the Bible for a moment. And just remind ourselves who that letter came from. That's from God. And then remind yourself of the content within that book. It gives me doctrine. It corrects me. It rebukes me. And it instructs me. Just to name a few. God, thank you for a word that we have to address every area of our lives. It really is a blessed thing. Amen. This past week I was at a funeral. Final remarks, I promise. I was at a funeral this week. And one of the ministers who had a part in the service was Episcopalian. I'm not here to bash the Episcopalians. I'm just here to make a statement. The Episcopalians don't really believe that the Word of God is inspired. They don't really believe it's true from cover to cover. They don't really believe that it applies in all areas of life and that the Bible says what it meant and meant what it says. It's just the position of the Episcopalians. And as I stood there and watched this minister hold the Bible in his hand, I, I truly had these thoughts run through my mind. How is that Bible even special to you? Because you don't even acknowledge the authority of the author who gave it to you. Friends, God gave it to us. And it's a wonderful, wonderful book that we ought to and should be thankful for. The question is, will we be thankful for this book? Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight to just take a moment, and maybe this message has been redundant, maybe it's been too simple, I don't know. But God, maybe there's someone in here this evening, maybe all of us,